So we've been in this series called uh, In Case You Missed It, and we have been looking at uh, some Old Testament stories where that they're probably a little bit famous. Maybe you've heard them or you've read about them, but they don't quite actually um, make it to the top of the list in your mind when you're thinking about Bible stories as maybe that you heard when you were a kid. You know, we've talked about a talking donkey. We've talked about... Uh, what, uh, we talked about uh, uh, an angel army that, that only uh, the prophet and a guy who prayed could see opened his eyes, right? We've talked about a lot of different things in this, this series, and it's very fitting that we're ending with talking about um, skeletons and dry bones today. In the, story of, in, the, in the book of Ezekiel, there's an interesting story about how God takes this valley of dry bones and makes them come to life. And so it's fitting that on Halloween day, we're talking about skeletons. I, we didn't even plan it that way or anything, but here we are. We're going to talk about dry bones. And what I want to do is something that we don't normally do. We're going to read a large portion of scripture. And so if you're a little bit ADD, just really fight for that, right? Fight to just listen to the story. Because honestly, I want you to know that God's word, even when it's just being read out loud or you're reading it, it has power. Like this is different than any other book out there in the entire world. The Bible says that it has the power to, uh, to correct, to train, to um, help us and guide us in our lives. And, and it has life in these pages and, and things that apply to us today, even though there's history, in fact, behind all of this stuff. I want you to know that these words can change your life. And so as we get into even some of the, like, the boring parts of the Bible, right? There's the genealogies, right, and the kings and, and stuff like that. Even then, as you are reading in your devotional time, I want you to know, you know, endure through it because God is using these words to do something in your heart and in your mind. And so we're going to read in Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, starting in 1 through 14. The Lord took hold of me, and this is God, um, his prophet, talking to God at the time and then telling this narrative. The Lord took a hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak, a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put my flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bones so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up to their feet, a great army. 
Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel when this happens. O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Okay, we're going to walk through some of these verses and kind of give you the gist of what's going on in the background here. Uh, But before I do that, I want to make my first point in all of this. It's that God's heart for his people is renewal and not destruction. You know, maybe you're here today and you've maybe lived a tough life, a hard life. Maybe things are going on right now. Maybe you're thinking, looking at the world, looking at our country, and you're saying, man, things are chaotic. Maybe God's mad at me. Maybe, maybe God's mad at us. But this, the Bible, the whole story of the Bible is that even in the book of Ezekiel is that God wants to renew his people. He wants to bring his people back. He wants to protect them. He wants to love them. He wants to be their God, right? But the problem with us and humanity is that we like to go our own way, believe our own opinions, believe believe our own ideas, believe the things that maybe somebody else spoke to us and told us, and sometimes those things aren't the truth, right? And so we go our own way. We say, God, I don't need you, right? I don't need truth. I like the shiny things over there as he, he was talking about greed. I like pleasure. I, I, I have a, 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 a plan and a dream for my own life, God, and, and you can't run it, but you can maybe be there on the side, right? So we do that. And, and, and the whole Testament, the whole Old Testament story is kind of this happening with God's people. They constantly turn to him, they repent, they say, God, I need you in pain when things are, are going on that are bad or we need a miracle or we need something from him. That's what they're doing in the Old Testament. And if you know the narrative of the Old Testament, really it's God set apart a, a nation for himself called Israel and he said, I'm going to bring you to this promised land. And the story of getting them to Israel, to the promised land, was a hard one because they kept disobeying God. They kept wanting to go their own way. And so the setting of Ezekiel is actually after they got into the promised land. What happened is is the the Babylonian king and the empire and the Assyrians uh, came in and invaded and took over everything and brought all the Israelites out of the land and took them into exile. Right? They're basically living under a foreign government, an oppressive government, and now they're all out of this land that God did such a hard work to get them into. And so Ezekiel is a prophet with them in exile, and he's basically there to say, come back. The God, God's going to do a great thing, but first life's going to be hard for a little while. And that's really how it is for us, right? It takes something Something extreme, something major to finally come back to God and say, okay, I'm willing to listen. And, and so the first uh, two-thirds of the book of Ezekiel actually is a lot about God disciplining the nation of Israel. There's a, there's a judgment going on because God desires that his children would follow him. And if you know anything about 
raising children, they don't always follow you, right? Like sometimes I say to my kids, if you would just listen to me, your life would be good. If you would just follow me and obey me, your life would be good. But that never works, right, parents, right? That doesn't work. They have to, you know, learn on their own sometimes. They have to uh, go through trial and error. But as parents, we all, it also is a good thing that we would learn to discipline our children and set them on, as we said, the path in which they should go, right? And so sometimes we have to do this corrective training in our kids' lives, and sometimes it's painful, right? And that's the same thing with our relationship with God, is sometimes his correction is painful, and that's what he's doing with the nation of Israel, and um, he's, and, and the prophet Ezekiel is kind of caught in the middle, and, you know, the first uh, couple of chapters is really interesting. It talks about angels. It talks about uh, how the prophet Ezekiel was mute. God made him mute for seven years, and he had to basically be like a mime, a pantomime. We call him the pantomime prophet because the first seven years, he's telling the nation of Israel a story by acts. He's acting out these things, and God is telling him to act these things out so hopefully his people understand what he's trying to do. Okay, and so just so you know, I think about this in my own life, right? Like, you know, if we think about the times we're in right now, you know, maybe you're, you're not necessarily in a time of, cor- you know, correction or sin, you know, and rebellion, but you wonder, why is God allowing all this stuff to happen that's going on in our world, right? And in our country. Like, why, why am I having to be caught in the middle of this, God? I thought you loved me, right? Like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I having to face discipline? And I really get comfort in the fact that while God is doing things out there in the world and he's using hardship and trial out there in the world, that even his prophet, even his people have to be caught in the middle of it. So we don't get this promise to escape the hardness of life. We don't have this promise of, as children of God to escape some of the, the natural consequences of sin out there in the world, of the brokenness, of, of bad leadership, right? We don't get to escape that. Even, even the nation of Israel has to sit under bad leadership. And one of uh, Ezekiel's contemporaries is Daniel. And if you know the story of Daniel, that guy was a holy man. And that guy got thrown into the lion's den, and he didn't deserve it. His friends got thrown into a fiery furnace, and they didn't deserve it. And, but it wasn't out, out of discipline. He was using them, right? And so God's people have to go through frustrating times because God's trying to send a message to all people, the whole world, that he wants to make people new. He wants to have a relationship with them. God desires that we would come to know him. But even more than us coming to know him, the one thing that God desires above us is his own glory. God desires his own glory, and part of his glory is, is in the fact that he can take broken people and make them new. We get to share in God's glory. He is glorified in us, right? Sometimes we think, why do we need God? Like, he's so high and holy and far above us. Why do we need him? Well, he wants, to be glo- he wants us to be a light of the world. He wants us to live like other people in the world aren't living. He wants us to be holy and set apart. God wants us to glorify him. So if we go back to um, Ezekiel chapter 2, 
This is kind of how the, the, the whole book kind of starts out. Son of man, he said, I'm sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are stubborn and hard-hearted people, but I'm sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, stubborn and rebellious people. And then in Ezekiel 36, talking about his holiness, I will show you how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord, for I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. You see, God wants us to glorify him. And the only way that we can even begin that process of renewal that he wants to do in our lives, that, that he's, he's trying to get us to wake up and understand, the only way we can begin that process is to be Humble, right? Our part of this is to admit that we have a problem. We struggle, right? We need our eyes open to humility. And humility is really just a way of thinking not so highly of ourselves, right? Because pride, as we'll learn in a, in a couple weeks, is the, the ultimate sin that puts this wedge between us and God. Pride says, I'm not that bad of a person. So-and-so's worse than me, Right? God, I'm pretty much a good person. I give, I come to church, I do all this stuff. Like, uh, but really, God desires that we would be humble, that we would be contrite, that we would admit our problems before him. And so if we go back to this story in Ezekiel chapter 11, I know, you know uh, in that story, it's, as you're thinking of that narrative, how God takes Ezekiel out to this area where there's all these dry bones. Well, we don't know for certain if that was like a real literal physical thing or if it was a vision that he gave him. But, but one thing I do know is we can look into where we read and find out the meaning of it, right? We don't want to make up our own meanings about stories. We need to look into scripture to find the meaning. And in verse 11 of the story we read earlier, it says this, then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. So out of all the, the pain and trial and struggle that Israel has gone through, God is basically saying eventually, eventually when they're old and dry and dead, when they finally had enough and they can't do any more, that's when they'll finally come back to me. That's when they'll finally admit that I've hit rock bottom, right? And so for us, I think that that's what it takes oftentimes is for us to have some kind of wake-up call, some kind of uncomfortable situation, some kind of discipline, some kind of problem. You know, even in my own life, as I think about how Christianity is, is, is really just this story of how we constantly are turning from God, turning back to God, turning from God, turning back to God. It's just we're constantly in, in, in repentance and trying to get back to him. As I think about my own life, I was a Christian from a young age, okay? I went to church. I knew these Bible stories. I believed in Jesus. But there was a point in my life where I looked out into the world and I said, I want what they have. I want some of that stuff out there. I want success. I want 
pleasure. I want, you know, you name it. I, I wanted to build my own kingdom, and God slowly kind of took backseat in my life. And that's what happens with all of us. Um, but, and and it, it took a really extreme situation for me to come back to God, right? To come back and say, Lord, I finally need you. And that happened through all of my, my desires to, you know, be, be the, the center of attention or the, the guy at all the parties. And I got caught up in addiction. And, and finally, he, he didn't let me go too far, but he got me to a place where I said, okay, God, I, I really have no hope, I felt like. I really have nothing left, so I've got to reach out to you. And in a sense, I believe that to be a gift because it's really easy to become complacent in this life, right? When, when things are just like coasting, sometimes we can say, well, I'm, my life is good because of me. Okay, I can say, my, my life is good because I'm a good person and bad things aren't happening because I make all the right decisions. But in reality, none of us is perfect. None of us really truly follows God in the way that he deserves to be followed and worshipped. And so I think of my story as a gift because I finally got to the place where I realized I am a wretched person. When compared to God's word, when compared to uh, his holiness, I am not really that great of a guy at all. And I need him. I need him above all else. I need him to forgive me, to save me, to wash me clean. And really, if we look at a, another prophet in the Old Testament named Isaiah, he kind of reiterates the only way to come to God. He says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. And so maybe you're here today and you feel like you've gone too far or maybe you've just been complacent in your life and you don't feel like God is very close at all. This is how you start. You admit that there is a problem and the problem resides deep inside of every single one of us that we desire to be glorified above the God who should be glorified, right? So I have a quick little story I want to show you that will help reiterate this. One of our pastors at Alpine um, has a little testimony that I'm going to share with you, and then I'll close with the last point. Well, when you talk about somebody feeling far from God, uh, I couldn't have felt any farther in my life. I grew up without having any kind of faith and in fact I was pretty oppositional to God I wanted nothing to do with him um, wanted nothing to do with with any any type of faith in Jesus and um, really I was I was hiding a life of, of sin and addiction and things for a long long time um, and it wasn't until my life was pretty much destroyed by my own selfishness that I finally became broken enough that God could reach in and, and touch my heart and, and offer some truth that what I needed wasn't more strength or willpower to overcome my brokenness, but what I needed was to be broken so that uh, God could come in and rebuild my heart. 
And that's really what he did. I came to the end of myself and I admitted how lost I was, how broken I was. And when I started to uh, really give my life over to him because I had nothing else, uh, God really did start to change me. He gave me a new heart and a new, a new life. And, and now I have new desires. I have a, a new way of, of life that I, I never thought would be possible. Um, he took my, my spiritual brokenness. He took a, a dead soul like me and, and made me alive. So my last point is this. God himself does the real work of spiritual renewal. I think a lot of us tend to want to gravitate towards, okay, I want to be religious then. We go completely from one extreme to the other, right? We think that God um, is going to make us right with him and be pleased when we try to follow every law and rule that he's ever set out. And yes, we should live lives to honor God and be holy and be different. But in the end, we don't get to take credit for it. If more holiness is coming out of us, it's because of who we're spending time with. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's because we're being around him and we're humble enough to let him to come in and do the work in, in us. You know, we really don't have a lot of control uh, over that spiritual renewal that's happening in us other than to just come to the Lord and surrender, make ourselves available to him. But even when we don't, he can still do the work, right? It's like, like, it's like that saying, we can do this the easy way or the hard way, right? Have you ever heard that or said that as a parent? I mean, maybe that came from Clint Eastwood or something. I don't know. <laughs> but we can do this the easy way or the hard way, right? If God really has his sights on you and he wants to change you, he will. It can be either a painful process or it can be a joyful process, right? That's called sanctification, you know, coming to grow closer to the Lord in holiness. Sanctify means to be made holy, and God wants to do a work in us, as Mark was saying, give us a new heart with new desires to finally follow him, because the problem is, is we don't have desires to want to follow him. We don't have desires to want to do the things that God has called us to do, and we need our heart to be changed, and God does the work through what Jesus did on the cross and through the Holy Spirit. So I want to go back to Ezekiel 37 and kind of re, um, show you how God is saying, he's not saying you got to do a bunch of stuff. Here's the checklist, go follow it, right? Here's all the things you can't do and here's all the things you can do. And when you get that right, finally one day, hopefully you did more good than you did bad and I might see you in heaven if you can try your hardest in this life. No, that is not the message of the gospel. That is not God's message for us. It is God himself who gets the glory because he desires his glory. He's gonna do the work in us and here's how it goes. In Ezekiel 37, there are six different promises in these verses where he says, I will put breath in you. I will put flesh and muscles on you. I will open your graves. I will cause you to rise again. I will bring you back to the land and I will put my spirit in you. You see, he's not saying you need to do this and you need to do that, right? And I think that's how a lot of us come and approach spirituality. We approach faith and we approach church that way. Like I've got to do all these things 
but really the reality is, is God is going to do these inside of us. He's, he's, he's made promises to us. If we go back to Ezekiel 36, here's what he says. How are we going to follow him? He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put your, my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. See, that's the story, the wonderful story of the gospel. Again, God gets the glory and if we'll come to him in humility and say, God, I need you. I can't do this. I can't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. So what is it that I got to do? I've got to be broken, contrite, and humble, and repentant. As it said earlier in this same chapter of Ezekiel 36, and he's telling his people in Israel, although you have gone so far from me, you know, terrible things that they did, worshiping idols, I mean, like giving their babies over as sacrifices, just constant sexual immorality, things that they were doing over and over again. And God says, I'm going to change things. And he ultimately changed things when he sent his son to come down to this world. He said, you guys can't follow me, right? And so part of this prophecy of giving us a new heart and putting a spirit in us comes later in the Bible after Jesus Christ comes and he dies on the cross for our sins where it says that he made us clean, uh, sprinkle clean water on you and your filth will be washed away. That's a, that's a, a, a visual of when we trust in Jesus and get baptized. We go down into the water and we're washed clean of our sins, and we're raised to live a new life, resurrected, like God resurrected these dead, dry bones. God wants to resurrect us and give us a new life and a new heart, because you see, we're not born with a heart that wants to follow God. We're born with a selfish, stony, stubborn heart that only wants to go our way instead of God's way. And that's why we need to be regenerated, revived and renewed by the spirit of God. And that happens by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me connect this story with the New Testament, with Jesus' words. It says this in John 5, 24 through 25. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. You know, the Bible says that we're spiritually dead, as I said. We're born with a, a, a heart of stone, and God needs to replace it. He needs to change it. We're walking around like zombies, right? Halloween, the walking dead. When you see those costumes out there, let it remind you of what our souls really are. It's dead and dry and depraved. But when you believe and trust on the Lord Jesus Christ, it says you have a new life. You've passed from death to life. You become alive, a new person with God's spirit in you. 
So if you're here today and you have not trusted in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, I would, I would just urge you and encourage you to think about that before you leave here today. And as you go home and you want to talk more about this with your family, I, I would just urge you to seek out the word of God and see what the truth really is. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Doesn't say to join a religion. It says to believe in Jesus Christ. He came down, he died on the cross as the sacrifice, and only God, the Son, could satisfy the sacrifice for the sins of the entire world, and that's what God did. And then the Bible says, after believing in Jesus, his spirit comes into us now and now gives us this ability to follow him and do the things that he's called us to do. The Bible says that the moment you believe in Ephesians 1, the spirit comes into you, right? And now we have a choice as Christians. Will we follow the spirit or will we follow the flesh? Now we've got a war going on inside of us. And that's why as Christians, again, we don't live in perfection, because we still have this old nature, nature, but we got to learn to walk by the Spirit. And another interesting thing I wanted to point out about these promises, where it says, I will bring you back to the land. You know, God keeps his promises. He's talking to the nation of Israel at that time. As I said, he moved them out of the land, and now they've been exiled all over the world. And for thousands of years, Israel actually was not owned by the Jewish people anymore. It had been taken over by everyone. But did you know actually that this prophecy could have been fulfilled in May, on May 14th, 1948, when Israel finally was declared as an independent state? Finally, again, people are filling in, Jewish people from all over the world are filling in to the nation of Israel, trying to reclaim this as their home. And as you know, they will continue to war over this because that's a contentious issue, and it always has been. But there is a special place that God has for those people in his heart, because this is whom he used to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if he fulfilled that promise, and he fulfilled the promise of the Messiah coming, and he did, and he fulfilled the promise that the Spirit would come into us, then please believe that he has promises just like this for you, where he says, I will do this in you. Be humble. Come to me in repentance. Tell the Lord today, I need you. I need you above all the works that I could possibly do. And one day, if you believe in that, as the Bible says, there will be one day when we are all physically resurrected, like in that story, where God will come, and, and in all of our graves, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will raise to eternal life and have a new body, a body to go be with him in the new Jerusalem when he creates the new heavens and the new earth. I urge you to trust in Jesus. And if you're a Christian here today, look forward with encouragement that one day God can and will resurrect our lives so we can be with him for all eternity. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, we are just, we come to you. I come to you right now as a, as a broken man, a man who is imperfect, God, and all the people here, God, I pray that they would have a humility about them, a repentant heart, a contrite spirit, Lord, that would say, God, I am not good enough 
to meet the holiness standards that you desire, but you're a loving God, and so what you did was create a way for us to be forgiven and made right with you. You see, we don't have to try to be perfect. In fact, it's impossible. And so, God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to come down and to wash us clean and to make us new. God, I pray that if there are people here today that need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that your spirit would come into them and just well up in them that humility and cause them to repent. Help us all to see that we are ultimately in need of you. We are needy of your love. God, we, knew, we need new life. We need revival. Let us walk out of here today with the hope and joy knowing that you're going to do a work in us because you began it when we trusted in Jesus and you're going to finish it one day. We trust you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.